You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Karen Gibas along with Father Brian Christensen. And we are live from the cathedral here in Rapid City, Our Lady of Perpetual Help. And Father, I will give you the honor of introducing our guest. <laughs> yeah, no, this is uh, someone very familiar to most of our listeners. Uh, it is Bishop-elect Michael Malloy. So welcome to the show. It's Thank good you. to have you with Thank us. You. Uh, you're Thank very you. familiar with this audience. They're very familiar with you. But I think this is the first time, is the first time you've been able to speak to the Real Presence uh, family since you're yes okay well, well welcome Ooh. good to have you with yeah. us um tell us a little bit about just the day of the call how does that happen how do how do you f- wake up one day father mike malloy administrator of the diocese of rapid city getting ready for ordination of a new bishop and then the phone rings um well it was it was june 9th and uh i was in my office and the phone rang and um i recognized the number as the number from the nuncio. And of course, what was in my head was he's calling about the ordination of Bishop-elect Peter Mewich. He has some questions or some kind of concerns. And I also was thinking I need to get a picture of him to put in our um, uh, worship aid. And and so, you know, it came on and he's very, uh, the nuncio, his name is uh, Archbishop Christoph Pierre. He's very jovial and very friendly. And he greeted me and, and said, how are you? And we had a little chit-chat. And then he said, are you alone? <laughs> and uh, I, had, I had learned from, from uh, uh, Bishop-elect Peter uh, Mewich and from a couple others that um, that's kind of the code word. And so I, you know, quite honestly, I, I sort of sunk into my chair and I said yes. And he said um, the Holy Father has appointed you Bishop of Duluth. And I, I mean, I don't know what happened in the next two or three minutes because I was stunned. I really was totally stunned and, and never expected that. And he, uh, <laughs> and he said, Duluth, you know Duluth. <laughs> and I, and I, I'm going like, yeah, I know Duluth. Yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't the part of the question that I was stumbling over. Um, so we chit-chatted for a while, and by this time I'm pacing through my office, um, literally like back and forth and back and forth, and um, I can't, I'm, I'm thinking like, I said, I can't believe this is happening, I can't believe this is happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he said, um, do you accept? And it was, it was an interesting moment, and I said, yes. And he said, oh, good, thank you very much, and he was off to the rest of his day, and I was left holding the bag. <laughs> Yeah, wow. So it happens that simply, that um, very ordinary ordinary phone call from Papal Nuncio. um, And I and I truly had no idea. I I had no idea that it was that that was even being thought of or considered. I mean, um, I I just for all kinds of reasons. And I wasn't trying to be modest or humble. I just truly did not think that this was going to happen. All right. So now you're in your office. You're the only one in the world besides, you know, the Nuncio and the, and the Pope. Some others, maybe. But what happens now? How do you, what, where do you go? What do you do? What do... Well, what I, what I did, the first thought that went through my mind is I hope nobody heard that. Because the Nuncio talks rather loud on the phone. 
in our offices, we're having some problems with. But he has a great accent. He's yeah, very he's nice. French, he's yeah. very nice. So I, uh, well, I, what I did was I thought, well, I'll, I got to go to the chapel because my first thought was I have to pray. So I went into the chapel um, in the a new chancery building and I knelt down. And we don't have a blessed sacrament there yet, um, and so it, it's kind of this nice open chapel. And I, I, w- I was praying, and I probably was crying. I'm not sure anymore. And um, and I just said, "You have to help me. I can't. I can't do this without you." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I thought about um, the former bishop of Duluth, whose name was um, Paul Serba, who had died last November. And uh, I felt a connection to him when I went to a provincial meeting, and he was very welcoming. And that was last fall. Um, or uh, the, I saw, but the beginning of the summer um, after I became the administrator, and and so I believe very much in the communion of the saints. And I said, um, "Okay, uh, Paul, I need your help. You have to intercede for me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to follow in in your footsteps." And uh, and uh, there's a, a real sense of honor that um, not only the Holy Father would think I could do this. But there's a sense of honor in knowing that I'm following in the footsteps of a, of a really, truly good and holy bishop. Um, so th- that was my thought. And then I got a phone call from, I think it was first of all from Jim Bissonette, Father Jim Bissonette, who is the administrator in Duluth. And I know Jim, we went to Rome together for the ad limina. And uh, so we had a, a nice conversation. He was very supportive. And I'm still sort of stunned. And I'm going, well, I don't know. And he said, no, you'll be fine. And then I got a call from Archbishop Hebda, who is the um, Archbishop of Minneapolis-St. Paul, because he knew um, after the nuncio called me, I think he called Bishop uh, Archbishop Hebda. Um, and so then I had to go back to work. Right. Okay. So now you have this uh, beautiful news, God's you know grace at work here in the life of the church and in your life personally, and for the people of of the Diocese of Duluth. Um, but there, there's uh, there's no shortage of things to do around the Diocese of Rapid City right no. now in your position. Um, it's been about two and a half weeks kind of, you know, balancing the news and what has to happen as you move forward in the ministry where you're going and the current uh, ministry that you have to perform. How, how have you found balancing all that? And Well, it's, it's a challenge. It's, um, um, you know, the challenge, I mean, my, my first... Um, Responsibility right now is to plan the ordination for Bishop Muich. So that's been the focus of my attention. And there's a lot that goes into that. A lot, I, think, I think people kind of show up at these liturgies and think that was beautiful. And it's like, you have no idea what we have to do to get ready for that. <laughs> so, so there is that. And, there's, and then added to the fact that I had several things I had to do normally is the whole notion of I'm leaving. And there are certain things that I am doing, certain things I'm responsible for. That some of which will shift to a new bishop, but some of which would not, and you know, and so my mind starts going with what do we do about those things? So that I'm busy with that, and I had to deal with. Um, then I, I we actually flew to Duluth for the announcement, and then I had to I had and I have dealt with many um, w- good wishes and things like that. So that's been an added a, a blessing and a, and a kind of an amazing thing. It's so how God sort of says you can do this. Yeah. Um, um, so I'm kind of deal with all that, and, and and then in the middle of all of that, my heart has already shifted. Mm, mm-hmm. When I went to Duluth for the uh, press conference, I got done with that, and I said, "Okay, I'm ready. I want to I want to go to work." 
Right. Mm-hmm. And and that isn't that isn't a criticism or a uh, of of Rapid City or you know the life I've had here or the, all the people I've known, but I I think that's part of the grace where the Lord says now I want you to go here and so you it's like in some ways it's like moving from one parish to another. You say goodbye to that parish and then you shift, um, and you and you move into a new kind of ministry. So, um, one so of our one of our former uh, or deceased priests, I guess, uh, Father Craig Cower, once said that uh, moving for a priest is as his experience was was the most powerful experience of the um, Paschal mystery. Like you die to one way of life. Um, you go into a place where you don't know anybody, they don't know you well. It's kind of the, he calls it the time in the tomb. And then eventually, slowly, there's a resurrection where we have a new life with new people and a new ministry. Um, how, is that something that you've experienced in the past? And, and would you say that that's something that you're experiencing today? Yes, b- very much so. The, the, the dying and the rising um, is very much a part of it. In my own life, personally, I've been blessed with, um, it isn't hard for me to transition um, you know, when it comes time and it's it's what I believe is the will of God, then it's very easy for me. And I think that is because as a child growing up, you know, I lived in, I think, five houses before I was 10 years old. And so five houses in the same town, but five houses, different neighborhoods, you know. And um, my mother died when I was a kid, which was a major shift in my life. Um, I mean, a total uh, kind of disruption of, of family life. and And so... You know, I, I just, it was like I've got I've to move on, you know. And uh, the longest I've ever lived in any one house was here at the cathedral for 12 years. So, um, so the, the idea of moving in and of itself doesn't particularly bother me. Um, but I, I very much see that, you know, there's just this real sense of sadness. As, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave and, I'm, you know, I'm not, in quotes, coming back. I'm certainly not coming back the way I was. Mm-hmm. And at the same token, it's like, but there's all this wonderful new people and ministry and life coming. And so so there's an excitement about that. So it's very much, that's a good image of dying and rising. Yeah, I know. I remember that from years ago. It's always stuck with me as a piece of consolation, especially in times of transition, that no, the Lord is moving us and the Lord will... Is giving us great graces. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, you did get the opportunity to go up to Duluth, meet some of the priests, meet some of the people, um, see the landscape uh, as well. What uh, what kind of things uh, did you experience up there? What are, what are some of the joys of that first initial visit that kind of moved your heart and mind? Um, I, felt, I felt very welcomed by, um, I met primarily met the chancery staff. I did meet some of the priests on the chancery staff. Uh, Jim Bissonette, the, the administrator up there, Father Jim was gracious and so there was a, a real there was a sense of joy and excitement which made me feel welcomed and like they really want me to be there and uh and so that was very helpful that was kind of my first experience um it is a beautiful part of the country mm-hmm. unlike south dakota where there's you can see <laughs> for miles um in duluth you you can't see anything except the next tree and uh it was interesting as we were driving from minneapolis up to duluth and Father Bizonette would say, you know, this is the town of Pine City. And I'd say, where? Because <laughs> where? All, all that's there is like trees. Um, so that'll be interesting. However, the consolation in that, because cause I, I tend to like the open space. I'm, I've never been enamored with the Black Hills. You know, I, say, I always say trees and mountains block the view. Um, but when I walked into my office in Duluth, in front of me was in through two beautiful, large 
uh, uh, windows, walls of windows, was Lake Superior. Mm, mm -hmm. And Lake Superior just goes on forever. And so I thought, this will be... This will be my my daily um, aware, uh, you know, sense of the bigness of God, the the wideness mm -hmm. of God's mercy and love is all kind of out there in front of me, and I, I kind of laughingly said in the in the interview that I uh, I wish they would like cut off the tops of the trees so I could really see the lake, because the trees have grown up now to the point to where they're. And they said, just stand by. When winter comes, you'll be able to see the lake just fine because <laughs> they're all deciduous trees. They said, you know, it'll it'll be fine. You'll see plenty of lake. So. Yeah, well, we're talking to Bishop-elect Michael Malloy, which I have to say makes me extremely thrilled, but very sad at the same time. It's a very emotional ride, even for us, I think. But we are here on Real Presence Live, and we are going to take a break and then come back and talk some more with our, our favorite, I'm going to say it, our favorite Bishop-elect <laughs> here in Rapid City at the moment. At the moment. Thank you. Because <laughs> then pretty soon we'll have a bishop. So you see how I'm going with this? Uh, yeah, got it. Got it. <laughs> okay, so stay tuned here. We're live at the Cathedral of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. I'm Karen Gibis along with Father Brian Christensen. And we will be right back. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Mayo Pharmacy in Bismarck is a faith-based pharmacy committed to delivering excellent care. We're pro-life and pro-family, respecting the dignity of the human person while providing for your individual needs. We have Catholic gifts for all ages, from mystic monk coffee to cards and crucifixes. Plus, we offer a wide range of clinical services, including rapid influenza testing and diabetes care management. You can visit us at 303 North 4th Street to discover the Mayo difference. Our number is 701-223-2424. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancements for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through Plan Giving which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together toward success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Hey, I'm Karen Gibis, and I'm here live with Father Brian Christensen and Bishop-elect Michael Malloy. 
who is leaving the Diocese of Rapid City for the Diocese of Duluth. It is our loss and their gain. Thank you. So, Father, did you want to pick another wonderful question? To yeah, throw, no, I, throw uh, at our... you know, Father uh, Bishop Elect, you have been a priest for how many years? 41. 41 years um, and served so many parishes from, uh, you know, St. Francis of Assisi and Sturgis out to St. Joseph's and Faith here at the Cathedral of Our Lady Perpetual Help, Blessed Sacrament and St. Michael's and McLaughlin, St. Bernard's up there in McLaughlin. As you look back on those 41 years of priesthood and all that the Lord has done in you and through you, are there things that stand out in your memory as cherished moments in your in your priestly life that i mean there's so much it's, the priestly life is rich and yeah. beautiful but is there anything that as you kind of peruse all those years and all of those places and all of those people where maybe god has worked some graces that you've noticed in mm. your life you know that's that's a hard question to s- specify because um it has all been I mean, each, every parish, you know, people always say to me, which parish did you like best? You know, there's obviously a, you know, the cathedral always held a spot in my heart because it was the very first parish I was at when I was a young priest. Um, the, you know, faith was my first pastorate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that has always had a kind of special place in my heart. But, but you know, I loved, I loved every parish I was in. Um, you know, I, I loved getting to know the people and serving them. Um, and so, I mean, I have friends all over the diocese mm-hmm. and, and, uh, that people that I consider to be good friends that, are, that I feel close to, um, um, you know, as, as you were asking the question, I, I guess I thought, well, c- celebrating mass and one of the focal points of my ministry has always been, uh, well, it has been for many years, the, um, uh, planning of diocesan liturgies. And so I, so, um, that's been a kind of a central important part of who I am, and I, I'm assuming that's true of all the priests, but but it certainly has been a focal point of what I've what I've uh, done. Um, so there there have been enormous amount of graces, and it's hard to pick out one. Sure. Um, I, you know, when I moved back from um, McLaughlin to um, uh, Rapid City to become the vicar general, uh, people you know teasingly said, I, "I bet you really miss McLaughlin." And I remember looking at him and saying, I really do miss McLaughlin because there was a wonderful, that was a wonderful experience and that those three little communities, you know, taught me things and I learned, I learned things from them and there, I saw growth and development and all kinds of things and it was exciting and, and leaving there was hard and I, and I, to this day, you know, miss, you know, the people in McLaughlin, Camel Bullhead, um, just like I miss the people in all the parishes that I've been a part well, of i suppose it's a little like a mom when she has in my case eight children and somebody says well which kid do you like most you know especially my kids say that to me you know which 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 one of us do you love most i love the one who needs me most at the moment mm-hmm. the most and i suppose it's probably like that with the parish you're in that parish and you're there and those are the ones that you love the most because they're under your care at right the, and but you doesn't mean you love any of the others any less than you you know, have. There's a difference time. between like and love, though, right? I don't always have to like everybody, but I'm going to love. Love. Them. I'm going to love everybody. <laughs> Is that true for moms? Oh, yes. <laughs> I have to tell you a funny story because my sister and I were just talking about this. In our family, there were four of us, that, four of us kids that grew to adult life. We had a, a brother that passed away, but four of us. And um, my, uh, we, we always tried to convince my father that he loved Madonna the best. 
Um, and, and we would tease him about that. And, and Madonna actually, you know, really kind of believed that. Um, <laughs> well, that and, made it worse. No, it didn't make it worse. It, made, it actually made it better. Because oh, it did? Oh, okay. And finally, finally, as my father got older, we finally, you know, sat down with him and said, now look, you know, we all know that. And he finally said, I got along with Madonna better than the rest of you. Madonna and I always clicked, and they did. They were, you know, mm-hmm. um, and Madonna w- was talking to her yesterday, and she said, I think I lost my place as the favorite child. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good uh, reflection. Your friends, your family members, how have they responded to this news that you're a successor to the apostles? Um, well, I don't think they'd put it that way. <laughs> uh, a lot of them see it as a promotion. Which I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, quite honestly, I, I see. I, you know, I don't see it as moving up. I see it as moving over. Um, but they're all very excited. Um, they're, uh, you know, my sisters were kind of just blown away, and I called them early in the morning and told them of the day of the announcement. I didn't tell anybody about the announcement, but um, until it was time. But um, they're they're very excited. Uh, it's and it's kind of amazing to me that it. Um, that there's just this en- enthusiasm of, and, and my cousins and I have a very large I, I, I know my large extended family very well and so many of them have called and, and they're excited and they're, they think it's wonderful and, and so and that's, there's a certain humility to that you know um, and, uh, and, and a joy at the same time that they're, that they're supportive and excited I was a little concerned that my sisters would think well you're moving quite far away yeah, and they aren't. Um, uh, Roxanne actually said she lives in North Dakota. She said, "Well, you're actually three miles closer in Duluth than you were in Rapid City." And Madonna lives in in the Denver area, so it's a long trip. And I say, "Yeah, but the flights are really good. Mm-hmm. Really good connections mm-hmm. between Minneapolis and and so um, they're very excited for me." No, that's great. Fun. No, yeah. that's great. I can I can only imagine. Um, You've had two and a half weeks praying with this, thinking about this, but as you say, moving your heart towards uh, Duluth uh, and a motto. Have you been able to choose a Episcopal motto? I have. I've thought about it. Okay. Um, so I, I don't want anybody to hold me to this <laughs> for definite. So this is like breaking news here on Real yeah, Press Radio. Do we never, need like a drum Real roll? We might need a drum roll, Kat. I've never, I've actually, I haven't talked to anybody about this, but um, uh, it's from uh, John chapter 17, verse 21. Um, that they may all be one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that rest of that passage is beautiful about how Jesus talks about, I pray that they will be in me and I, that because I'm in you, Father, and I pray that they will be like one with me and one with one another. And what I love most about it is, is so that the world may know that you loved me mm-hmm. and that you sent me. And, and so, um, and for a long time, I have... I, for a long time, I've thought in my life that um, what we need more than anything else is unity. Mm-hmm. And in this day and age right now, in a special way, we need unity. But I think we need unity in the church. I think priests need unity amongst themselves, unity with their people. And so I just, um, I thought that's, that's um, in, the, in the Eucharistic prayer, um, in number two, number three and four, I think, I'm not sure about one, um, but in those those three, right after the consecration, uh, the way I say it is the first petition that comes out of the Lord's truly present with us now, and the first thing is a prayer that we will be one mm-hmm. in Him with one another. And so it's it's really, to me, it's in a certain way, it's kind of central 
to the celebration of the Eucharist and central to celebration of the whole Mass. And, and so I, that's what I think I'm going to go with. Beautiful. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that today. And uh, no, it gives, uh, gives uh, some focus, as you have shared, to the beginnings of your ministry. Yeah. And as I know, they asked at your uh, press conference, you know, what's your vision for the Diocese of Duluth? You know? Um, what they asked me was, how am I going to approach this? <laughs> yeah. Is what they ask. Um, and I said, I don't have any vision. I mean, I don't have any preconceived mm-hmm. notion because I don't know Duluth at all. So I want to. I want to be there and get to know them, but I would, if they said, "Well, what?" It's like my goal would be that we would be united mm-hmm. as a as a church community as a whole, a diocese, that every parish would be united, that there would be a unity between the priests and the people, and a unity between myself and the priests and the people, and that that would all be a, a kind of a significant piece of of what uh, we would be doing moving forward. So I have a question. So we just recently went through the the joy of hearing the news about Bishop Alec Peter coming here and being on that side of the spectrum, feeling that relief, and for you probably more than others, the relief of that announcement and then the joy of that. How does it feel to be on the other side of it, to be the one that people are relieved to see and are joyful to have coming? Um, it's It's a bit overwhelming because people see in me what I don't see in myself, or at least I'm not, I'm not conscious of it. It's like, really, you know, they'll say things like, and look at them and think, really? You think that's true, huh? Hmm. Cause it's, and it's not that I'm, I'm necessarily denying that or saying it's not true. It's just like, I just, I'm not conscious of it because I guess the whole of my priesthood I, uh, is probably best characterized when, when people say, well, you preach well. And I say, well, okay, I just get up and talk. I get up and, <laughs> Yeah. I get up and do what I think God wants me to do and say what he wants me to do. And I don't have any sense of why that's good or, you know, whatever. I just get up and talk. And so, you know, 41 years of priesthood, you just kind of do what you do. And so what people see and what they receive is interesting. So there's a sense of overwhelmingness about it. On the flip side, it's really interesting to be planning an ordination for somebody else and then at the same token... <laughs> thinking and when it's my turn um so what so, do you want at your turn well yeah and and uh what how's this going to look but yeah. it um the familiarity with the right and the familiarity with all mm-hmm. that goes into planning yeah. that makes it a whole lot easier in some sense yeah. so as you're moving towards october 1st is the yeah. date of your ordination uh, feast of saint uh, therese of lucio yeah and um what what happens between now and october 1st for you what's that look like now well um you know the, the immediate focus is on the bishop uh, Bishop uh, Peter's ordination. Um, subsequent to that, the, the month of July will probably be given over to a lot of helping him to get oriented. July and part of August. Um, my hope is that I will leave. Um, that I will once I pack up, I'll leave. I'll go to Duluth, unpack, do a retreat, have a little vacation, so that when I get ordained on October first, I go to work. I don't. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. ready to hit the ground running and I've, I'm rested and and everything's in place. So that's my plan. So when I leave will probably be sometime around the end of August, that would be my guess. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I know you're familiar with all this radio stuff, so we look forward to hearing more from you. Thank you. When you're Appreciate in the Diocese it. of all Duluth. Right. All right. Well, up next, we will pray the de- Chaplet of Divine Mercy, and after that, 
we're going to be chatting with three priest moms. You don't want to miss that exciting discussion. I've had a preview. It's amazing. So stay with us here on Real Presence Live. Real Presence Live.